0: Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We just passed a time of the year when we often sing Christmas songs. A time they sometimes start in early December or at least by mid-December, and they continue to about the first week of January, and then more or less we quit singing Christmas songs. But I want to challenge you today to go back and think about the songs we sing at Christmas, the Christmas hymns, because there are a lot of theology, good biblical theology in a number of the Christmas hymns. Today I want to call your attention to two of them. They're both by Charles Wesley. And I want you to see the biblical teachings that are embedded in these great hymns of the faith and urge you to use them beyond Christmas time including in our preaching and teaching, in our personal meditation. Because hymns or songs is a great way of transmitting the message. In fact, we often transmit wrong messages by the things that we sing. And we transmit very shallow things, even in Christianity, by some of the things that we sing that are full of emotional language or nice melody, but they don't have any real deep message rooted in the word of God. But here are two hymns, Christmas hymns, that have biblical theology embedded within them. Here's a text for you to consider. When the fullness of time had come, Paul writes, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And here are the hymns. The first hymn, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, born to set Thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart as we think on the first stanza of this hymn, we should note that it is a prayer. It is a prayer for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been long expected to come. And for a particular purpose, in order to set your people free. Well, what people are those? Were they the people given to the Son from all eternity by the Father? That John references uh, in the prayer that Jesus gave in John chapter 17. Come, long expected, Jesus, born to set your people free. From our fears and sin, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. There's both a negative and a positive reason why Christ comes. How does he set his people free? He frees us from our fears. One of the chief fears is the fear of death and the fear of the penalty of being outside of communion with God, which is hell, from our fears and our sins release us. Don't leave us in this state of rebellion and disobedience against God, but release us and set us free so that we can find our rest, our confidence, our trust in you. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth you are, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. This is a longing heart of people everywhere that God would come and set his people free. Listen to this passage from Hebrews chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus the Messiah, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all All those who fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, that's the passage in which the hymn writer is referencing in this first stanza of Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Listen to the second stanza. Joy to those who long to see thee, day spring from on high appear. Come thou promised rod of Jesse, of thy birth we long to hear. O'er the hills, the angels singing, news, glad tidings of a birth. Go to him, your praises bringing. Christ the Lord has come to earth. Now this stanza comes directly out of the prophetic word that prophesies the coming of the Christ, the coming of the Messiah. To whom does Christ come with joy? Who are those who receive him with joy? Well, is those who believe in him, and they can believe in him because of the grace of God operative in their lives. But those who long to see him, who know who he is, who receive him from who he is, have joy, a joy, deep joy. Then he's addressed, day spring from on high, appear. Come, you promised rod of Jesse. Now, these are prophetic words coming from Isaiah Chapter 11 in verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, when you turn to the gospel of Matthew and of Luke, you'll find Jesus' genealogies, his family line. And when you do so, you're going to find that he is a descendant from Jesse, from Jesse to David, and from David through Solomon and our Nathan A branch shall grow out of Jesse's roots. This is the branch of righteousness that Jeremiah talks about. You see, the the prophetic word comes alive in its fulfillment in some of the great Christmas hymns. We long to hear of the promised rod of Jesse. Now, rod of Jesse stands for rulership, the rulership of the Davidic king. This is not directly King David per se, although first of all, it is King David, but David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so we can go all the way back to Genesis 49, where the ancestry of Christ is mentioned being the son of Jacob by the name of Judah. And it says, the scepter, Jacob is speaking to Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is a prophecy about the coming ruler that will come through Judah. From Judah, he's going to come to Abraham and uh, not Abraham. He's going to come through Jesse and David and all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the rod from the sim of Jesse. He's the ruler of the kingdom of God. And it's the star that's mentioned in Genesis 49 that we also reference in some other Christmas hymns. Here are these words again from the epistle to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. Therefore he had, the he refers to Jesus the Christ, Therefore, Jesus the Christ had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, Christ comes to earth to taste that which we Have experience. It's found in stanza three of the hymn. Come to earth to taste our sadness, he whose glories knew no end. By his life he brings us gladness, our Redeemer, Shepherd, Friend. Leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stall, tis the everlasting wonder Christ was born, the Lord of all. He came into our human situation, a full human man. And there he endured temptation, but he was victorious and never committed sin. Then is the righteous man who also is divine. He made propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice of his own blood for the sins of his people in which he'd satisfy the justice and the wrath of God against sin, enabling us to come to know God in and through him who is our great high priest. He is resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's Jesus, the son of God. Let's hold fast to our confession and let's come to him. Come to him with our weaknesses. Come to him with our temptations. Come to him with our sins. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Well, that hymn ends with this stanza. or These are the four that I'm looking at today. Born, your people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now your gracious kingdom bring. By your own eternal spirit, Rule in all our hearts alone, by your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. Notice that the hymn here is talking about the reason why Christ came. He came to deliver us. And how did he do that? He did it by becoming, first of all, a human being. Even through the process of human birth, he came into this world as a little infant, dependent upon his mother for suckling. And yet he was born a king. He is the king of the kingdom of God, and he is born with this destiny to reign in us forever, we who are the loving subjects of the kingdom of God's grace and power. And so we entreat him, come and bring your gracious kingdom, bring it, rule by your eternal spirit in our own hearts. May you be our only ruler our Lord and our King, and by your own all-sufficient merit, raise us in glory to thy glorious throne, the everlasting kingdom that shall come when Christ himself returns in power and glory at the end of the ages. There's a second one I want us to think about today. It's called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, this is a call for the angels to join in the singing with jubilation because a king has been born among humans who is to rule the human race, that is, the new race of those who are born again through faith in this king, the Lord Jesus Messiah. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mile, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Listen to this word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. Paul writes, All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. How are we made right with God? We who from our birth are his enemies, born in death born in sin, born under the wrath of God. If you don't believe that to be your state, turn to Ephesians chapter one and begin reading with verse one and two. And you'll find out what a terrible situation we are born into when we come into this world. We are out of communion with God. We do not know him. We are opposed to him. We grow up that way. And as soon as we're able to make our own decisions, we make decisions that are against God not for God. But God desired to have a people for himself, and he's given those people to his son, Jesus. He gave them to him in all eternity, and he came here to earth to reconcile us to God. In the body of his son, the Messiah Jesus, God reconciled us through the blood of the cross. Now, He's passed on the ministry of reconciliation to all of us who belong to him. We are the ambassadors and heralds of the kingdom to proclaim Christ to the nations that people might come to believe in him, being reconciled to God by repentance and faith, being trusting only in Jesus to bring them to the Father. Stanza two. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hell, the incarnate deity, please this man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Whoa, this stanza is loaded with biblical content, with theology bursting for praise and for adoration to God. It echoes John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, the word that was with God in the beginning, the word who was God, this word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And how did he do that? He did it through the womb of the Virgin Mary. He came and made his dwelling among us. He pitched his house here. For a period of time, the temple of God himself was in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the unique Son, the only begotten Son. The Son is in a category all his own because he was the word eternal who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. Now, after Joseph had considered divorcing Mary because she came back from her visit from Elizabeth pregnant with a story that Archangel Gabriel had visited her and that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and he didn't believe it, after he considered divorcing her, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus or Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, perhaps you've read those passages and you thought, well, look, they said, They named him Jesus, and this one says they should call him Emmanuel. Well, what's going on? What's going on is that he's actually named Yeshua, that is, Jesus in the Greek, or an Englishized version of the Greek. In Hebrew, it would be Yeshua, the same as Joshua in the Old Testament, which means salvation is of the Lord. Now, the meaning of Jesus, of Yeshua, is that he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. So this is talking about his nature. But his personal name given to him on the eighth day of his birth is Jesus. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, that echoes Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Okay? Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. The incarnate word is what he's talking about, the incarnate deity. He is the subject of our faith, the object of our worship. We know and come to the Father through Jesus Christ, pleased this man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Stanza three. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness. This is the, the word uh, hail, the H-A-I-L, which means to give allegiance to, to acknowledge him as the King, as the Lord, the heaven-born Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. That, that echoes uh, statements in Malachi. Mild he lays his glory by, the glory he had with the Father from all eternity as the eternal word in communion with the eternal Father by the Holy Spirit. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. Why did Jesus come? Well, he came in order to give us eternal life that reverses the sentence of death that's against us. Now, we still die physically because our bodies, our mortal bodies, are still under the effects of the sinful nature and of sin in this world. But we are born with a new spirit. That spirit comes to life by the Holy Spirit. It can never die. We never die because we're in union with Christ. So we never die in that sense, though our bodies may die yet we shall have existence with Christ. But that is not our full destiny. Our full destiny is that after we die, we shall be resurrected from the dead when Christ returns again and have immortal bodies, bodies that will never be subject to death, never be subject to sin, never be subject to decay or corruption. Christ is born To bring us to this destiny. He's born to raise us from the earth. He's born to give us a second birth. Spiritual birth. Through the regenerated power of the Holy Spirit. In the word of the gospel. Proclaimed and believed. Malachi 4.2. But for you who fear my name. The son of righteousness. Will rise. With healing. In his wings. Then this stanza. The last for today. Come, desire of nations, come, making us your humble home. Okay, we're now turning to a prayer, a petition. We're petitioning him. Desire of the nations, come, making us your humble home. Rise, the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Christ was born, you see, to crush the head of Satan in fulfillment. Of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. He is the seed of the woman, and though his heel will be bitten by Satan in his death on the cross, yet in that death he will crush Satan. He has already done so. Rise, the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us their serpent's head. Adam's likeness now we face. The Adam that sinned, the Adam that rebelled against God. You are the second Adam. You are the Lord from heaven. Come, stamp your image in his place. We're talking about a new birth, the new creation that we are in Christ through faith in him. Second Adam from above. Adam stands for the head of the human race, the first Adam sinned, and so all of mankind was plunged into sin, death, and corruption, and alienation from God, but the second Adam has come in Jesus Christ our Lord, and those who align to him by faith in his name are given a second birth. They are part of God's new humanity. Adam's likeness, now if they stamp your image in his place, second Adam from above, give us life, impart your love. How do we know we truly know God through Jesus Christ in our Well, we love him. We love him. We love God. We love him through and in his son, Jesus the Messiah. We love his word and we love those words who love, worship, and serve him. Hear the word of God. Second Adam, Romans 5, 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. How do we know that Adam's sin of transgression of the garden resulted in condemnation for all men? Well, we know it because after Adam, all Mankind experience death. Death is the result of sin. If we had no sin, no sin guilt, no sin in us, we would not be subject to that death. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, it reigns over all mankind. But Christ has come, the second Adam, to give us new life from above, a life that will end in the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting on the new heaven and the new earth. Adam was a type of Christ who was to come. So he was the first Adam. All partake of him. Christ is the second Adam. Those partake of him who believe in his name. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4 and verse 47. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was born from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, Jesus Christ. The seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. The first proclamation of the gospel, which was given by God himself in the garden as a curse upon the head of the snake, Satan the snake. He says to the devil, to Satan, to the tempting snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The bruise of a heel can be healed. Christ's crucifixion was healed through his resurrection from the dead. But Satan's bruise upon his head shall never be healed but he shall perish everlasting when Christ returns. And so we pray in the words of Romans 16, 20, with this promise, Paul writes, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What a promise, a promise that is sure to come to pass. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights, reminding you of great biblical theology embedded in some of our Christmas hymns. Sing them, not just at Christmas. Sing them at various times. Sing them in the church service. Sing them in the proclamation of the word about these great truths. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you.